Welcome. How are we doing this morning? Good to have a little uh, cool air uh, as you woke up, probably, than the uh, nasty humidity that we've been uh, bearing with the, the last... I thought it was gone, then it came back. It's uh, that gift that keeps on giving to us uh, here in Oklahoma. So uh, we are uh, glad that you're here this morning. Uh, thank you, as Ryan said. want to echo that. Thank you for taking time out of your uh, weekend uh, to be here with us. And, and here, here's where I want to start before we crank into the message. Um, can we do our best together to make this day count? Um, it, you know, I, I've grown up in the church. I've done the Sunday morning routine uh, a lot. And so many times, that's what it becomes. And we have these moments where we gather, where we, where we hear, hear the word taught, and where we have an opportunity for God to just to, to be able to, to get into our hearts, to speak to our hearts. Uh, but many times because of routine or because of just where we are, uh, we're not open to that. And so I just want to pray for us this morning and want to ask that, that you would say, you know what, regardless how I found myself here this morning, I'm going to be open to what God wants to say to me. Um, and so would you pray with me? God, we come before you. Uh, these moments are blessings. Uh, these moments are opportunities. Um, the, whether we know why we decided to be here or how we got here or who twisted our arm or whatever it may be, Lord, uh, we're here. And God, I just pray, Lord, that not only would you speak through me, uh, that you would speak to each and every person that's in this room, uh, that comes in here with a lot of different stuff, a lot of different stories. Uh, they, they, come, they come where they're a different place in their journey with you. Um, and so, God, we ask and invite you to meet us today. Um, and so, God, we thank you for this opportunity. May you speak clear to us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. I crave certain things. I, I, I long for certain things. I hunger for certain things. There, there are certain things that I really love, but there is one thing that I really crave, that I really long for, and that thing is cereal. I love cereal, and I'm serious. I probably have a, I probably have a problem. I probably have a problem. I don't know if that, yes, I do have a problem. I, I mean, I really do love it, and and if, you're, if you like cereal, you know that this problem is real. And, uh, and some of you may, may connect it to other things in your life, but, but for me, it is cereal. And, and if I were to have my top three cereals, not that I would ever rank these wonderful things, but if I were to rank them uh, in no particular order, I would have Lucky Charms will be in the top three, uh, Fruity Pebbles, would be, you, you probably see, those two are very similar, uh, Fruity Pebbles and then Frosted Mini Wheats. Love it, love it. And, and so, I, I mean, those are my top three. And does anyone, anyone else in here love cereal? I mean, anybody have a hankering uh, for cereal? Um, you know, and here's the thing for me. If I am not asleep at 9 or 9.30 at night, which, let's be honest, I never am asleep at 9 or 9.30 at night, uh, it begins, right? You're just like, hmm. You know, dinner has faded, right? Um, you're bored. What else, I mean, what else am I going to do? Uh, and so you begin to think, man, a bowl of cereal would be so great right now. And those cravings and those longings, you know, for 2% milk and all that begins to skyrocket, right? And sometimes I give in, sometimes I don't. But all the time I think to myself, it's almost like I was born with this innate 
desire to eat and consume cereal. Now here's the thing. My cravings and longings go far deeper than my cereal addiction and the physical things that I face. Beyond my flesh, beyond my mind, beyond my heart, there seems to be these these powerful desires that I don't fully understand, yet I have always felt them within. As long as I can remember, I've felt these lingering and sometimes unidentified cravings and longings within me for something more. You know, there's a film called 21 Grams, and it was star- starred Sean Penn and Benicio Del Toro, and it has a narrative that revolves around the value of human life. The, its lead-in refers to a phenomenon that happens at the time of our death. And, and this is what the lead-in says. They say we all lose 21 grams at the exact moment of our death. Everyone. The weight of a stack of nickels. The weight of a chocolate bar. The weight of a hummingbird. And the question posed is simple yet profound. Is how much does life weigh? And the implication is that what is lost in the 21 grams is the human spirit. That there is more to us than simply flesh and blood. And what I believe is that within that 21 grams, our soul, lies some very universal longings and cravings that almost feel as if they were placed there intentionally, if they were placed there eternally to everyone to have in this life that, that leaves us once this life is over. And one of those is the longing to be loved. I mean, when I was in middle school... There were a couple magical things that happened when I was in seventh grade. And, and I, you know, and there were, there were plenty, of, plenty of magic happens in middle school, if you can remember back to those days. But, but the first thing was this, is that whatever happened, all of a sudden I woke up and I was interested in girls. That was one of the, I mean, don't know how, don't know, don't know why. It just happened. And, uh, and so that, that was part one. I all of a sudden had interest and girls that I did not have before. The second magical thing that happened as a seventh grader was I got a, and I, it wasn't like a letterman's jacket, but it was, you know, it had a wasso on the front, had Henson on the back. I mean, it was, you know, polyester or whatever that sweet material is. I mean, it was, you know, it glimmered a little bit. It was awesome. Now, that was magical because here's what's in it. It wasn't magical because I wanted to wear it. I did want to wear it for a little bit. But it was more magical because all of a sudden, not only did I want to wear it, I wanted to give it away to a girl that I, I felt should be wearing my jacket, right? And, and that same magical thing happened for, for girls of that day, not for the Henson necessarily on the back, but for like, oh wow, if I could just wear that jacket, right? And so, and so what's interesting is that you see very early on, as silly as that is, and as silly as it probably looks today in different ways, is that there, at a very early age, is this longing to be loved, to feel accepted, to be known, to be seen and cared for with high regard. You know, when my daughter was five or six years old, um, Camden, she was already telling us what she was going to be when she grew up. And she was telling us that, that I'm going to be a veterinarian. And, and one, it, it's just funny. It's funny that she was telling us that. And it's just, and I don't know, her love for animals just kind of triggered that. 
Now, what's been interesting over the years, she's 11 now, is that that list just grows. So there's like five or six things that she is going to be when she grows up, right? I don't think she understands time management at this point. But, you know, all, all these careers that she is going to have when she grows up. I mean, can you remember what you wanted to be when you were in elementary, when you grew up? Can you remember some of those things you wrote down? Because I feel, you know, you always write those things down. Or maybe you dress up as, the, as those things for Halloween, I think we can all think back to some dreams or professions that we wanted to pursue when we got older. Now ask yourself this, why in the world were you dreaming about having any kind of job or profession at all? I mean, think about it. You didn't need a job at that age, right? Second grade, you didn't need a job. You didn't have, you didn't have a lot of bills to pay, second grade. You were still learning how to read and do basic math. Why would you even think about what you wanted to be when you grew up? It's almost as if you were born with a desire inside of you for purpose, to make a difference, to accomplish something in this world. You see this longing to be loved. We see this longing for purpose. And we also see a longing for meaning. You know, making sense of things. Answering answers to the big why questions that we have. And I think every one of us in this room has had enough pain in our lives at some point where we ask why. Why would that happen to them? Why would this happen to me? Why am I here? Why are we here? Why, why God, did you allow me to go through that? Why am I in so much pain? Why does it all matter? Why? You know, searching for meaning is like breathing. You know, it's something that I believe is very native, you know, to our spirit. It's, it's inside of all of us, and it's been there from the very beginning. If you read through the book of Job, one, prepare yourself, because uh, it's, a, it's a pretty lengthy and uh, deep book. But you'll find a man by the name of Job who loved and feared God. But through some awful pain, and I mean awful pain in his own life, he was desperately trying to find the meaning and make sense of it all. And you'll read words like this. Why do the wicked live on, growing old and increasing in power? Why does the Almighty not set times for judgment. Why must those who know him look in vain most days? He was asking why. Seeking meaning in life. And here's the thing each of us have these three universal and intrinsic longings within us longing to be loved, longing to, to find purpose, and longing for meaning. We are hardwired with these longings. And so understand this this morning before we get to the text. The problem isn't that we have these longings or desires. The problem is that we seek to fulfill them on our own. The problem is that we try to satisfy these longings and answer these questions without God. Here's the good news this morning. These eternal and internal longings and cravings that we have for purpose, for meaning, and for love, 
They were given to us by God, and they were intended to lead us back to Him. And that's why we're doing this five-week series, to talk about our spiritual journeys. And we all come into this room from a different place, with a different story, with a different backdrop. And the next five weeks, we'll be attempting to answer questions like this. How do we navigate these longings and desires that have been placed within us? How do we come alive again to God and His plans for our lives? How can we strengthen and grow in our relationship with God? And throughout these next five weeks, we'll do our best to answer those questions as we unpack the parable of the prodigal son found in Luke chapter 15. This is the parable that Charles Dickens said was the greatest story ever told. And through this passage, we're going to be looking at five awakenings that occur during almost everyone's spiritual journey. And these five awakenings are something that we all need to acknowledge and discover again and again and again. So I encourage you, and and Ryan had mentioned this, to be engaged with this series, to be committed to this series. Um, Not only commit yourself, but commit to saying, okay, who's that friend, who's that neighbor, who's that coworker that I can invite to be a part of this with me? Now go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 15. You'll find Bibles underneath your your seat there. Luke chapter 15, if, if you don't use a Bible underneath your seat, you can also go to Version if you have the, the Bible app on your phone. Uh, also, those of you who have download, downloaded the Crossing app, uh, you can just go to that and you can go to the resources and they'll be teaching uh, notes there as well. Luke chapter 15, we're going to start in verse 1. It says, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathered around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. Let's pause there. And so who is this story for? Right there in those first few verses, we see tax collectors, we see sinners, we see religious elite. So who's it for? It's for everybody. This is a me too kind of story. And just so you know, the crossing, we want to be a me too kind of place. And so who is this story for? It it is for the corrupt businessman. It's for the self-righteous church leader. It's for the kid that grew up in Sunday school and knows all the right answers. It's for the addict. It's for the illiterate, the uneducated. It's for the one with the PhD. It's for the, the seminary professor. It's for a broke college student. It's for people struggling with depression. It's for the used car salesman, the trucker, the celebrity, or the redneck. It's for teachers. It's for factory workers. It's for stockbrokers. It's for stay-at-home moms. And you're getting the point of this picture. It's for you and it's for me. It's for everyone. If you're alive and sucking air in today, Jesus told this story for you. Let's go to verse 11. Says Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons, and the younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Now, culturally, not only was this an unusual move, but it's an ask that is very dangerous and very disrespectful. Dangerous because you could be cast out of the family community forever. 
when someone acts out with that kind of irreverence towards the father and the family, the community washes their hands of the individual. And really the only way for one to even think about re-entering the family is by paying this massive amount of restitution. Now it was also disrespectful. And the obvious disrespect was towards his father. Now granted, the younger son, he did have a right expectation of gaining an inheritance from his father, but that was after his father had died. And to ask this why the father was still living was the same as to wish him dead. And so this younger brother is asking his father to tear his life apart, his property, his riches, his cattle, and he is asking his father to endure a tremendous loss of honor in the community. However, his father says yes and gives him his share of the inheritance. Look at verse 13. It says, Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. So we find this younger son convinced that he had to leave his father in order to find the answers and to fulfill his longings. He says he set off for a distant country. You know, one thing I've realized over my years in following God is that at any given time, you're either moving towards the distant country or moving towards the presence of the Father. I mean, there are no neutral moves. I mean, there are no neutral seasons of our lives. Another thing that I've realized is that we all have our own distant country that we're tempted to go back to. None of us are exempt or immune from, from packing our spiritual bags and walking down a path to that distant country. You know, the distant country can look a lot of different ways for all of us. And it's not just the, the external behaviors. It is part of that. But it's also internal postures. And so it can be from subtle sins to subversive behavior. It can be an attitude of pride. It can be a spirit of unforgiveness. It can be chasing success. It can be supporting a false identity apart from Christ. It can be propping up idols in our lives that were never made to be the center of our lives. It could be allowing good things to reign supreme and be ultimate. It can be a critical spirit or a calloused heart. It can be a place of doubt or a rebellious and disobedient lifestyle. But whatever it could be, for me and for you, it is rooted in the same thing. And this is what it's rooted in. A belief that our longings and cravings that God placed within us for love, for meaning, and for purpose can be found through something or someone else other than God. Wherever we may be, and whatever our distant country might be today, it is all rooted in the same thing. It is a belief that our longings and our cravings that God has placed within us for love, for purpose, and for meaning can be found somewhere or through something, someone outside of God. And we get bait and switch to believe that the path away from the Father can bring us greater fulfillment, greater joy, and greater hope than the presence 
of the father. And that's exactly what happened to the younger son in this story. Now let me tell you this this morning. Many of you would probably say, if you were to be honest, that I may be on the road today to that distant country. Some of you may even say, I've been, I am in that distant country, and I'm not even sure how it happened. And here's what I know. The distant country promises a lot, but delivers little. It always screams of hope and fulfillment, but it always leaves you emptier and more hopeless than when you first got there. Now let me ask you this morning, would you say you were moving towards the distant country or the presence of the Father? And however you answer that, let me ask you, why? Why did you answer the way that you did? Many times we, we just know how to say the answers and we don't really think long enough why am I on the road to the distant country? What makes me feel that I'm going that way? What makes me believe that I am going closer to the presence of the Father? Let me tell you something about the crossing, and I've alluded to it before, and I'll, I'll allude to it quite a bit. And I think those who have been with us a while can verify and affirm this. But wherever you may land on the spectrum between the distant country and, and the Father's presence, you're safe here. You're welcomed here. Um, there's a lot of grace here. We want to support you. We want to give you space. We want to give you respect. We want to encourage you as you move through this crazy thing called life. But at the end of the day, we also, we also believe in the hope and the joy and the fulfillment that can be found in Christ. So we're going to do everything we can to point you in that direction. You know, the story doesn't give us many details to what actually occurred. In the distant country, it simply tells us that the younger son squandered his wealth and wild living, so all the inheritance is gone. We read in verse 14, it says, After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. He hadn't planned on famine or anything going wrong. But the plan that he had in his mind, that romantic idea of what would be, messes up. This wasn't supposed to be what it would look like. And what he thought he wanted, the experiences, the clothes, the drinks, the cars, the crazy nights with friends, the crazy nights with girls, the, the daytime fog between parties, what he thought he wanted didn't do anything. For him or in him when he was in need. Because he needed more. His wild living was like pouring water into a bucket with no bottom. Empty. It didn't fulfill. It didn't satisfy. It didn't meet his need. Just left him empty. Read in verse 15. It says, So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. Now, once, that, once Jesus read that, you, you could probably hear the audience you know, gasping a little bit. A good Jewish boy would have never been caught dead around pigs. It's like raising up a perfectly good OU child to see them run away to wear orange and black, 
Just kidding, just kidding, OSU fans. That was a rough one. That was a rough one yesterday. Sorry. Uh, so, no, we, we had ours the first week. It would have been tragic, though, for them, and, and the crowds almost didn't seem to understand why is Jesus going there with this story. I mean, this boy had put some distance between himself and his home. He had run about as far and fast away from his father as he could. But his journey left him asking all kinds of why questions. Why didn't this turn out like I thought it would? Why am I so lonely? Why am I so broke? Why am I so empty? Why did I end up in a place like this? The distant country was great for a second, but it didn't last. Now the harsh reality of feeling exactly how you felt before. Sound familiar? Feel familiar? Have you ever been there, you know? I'm pretty sure that we all have been there in one way or another and have felt those feelings where you have hit the bottom, where you're reflecting, evaluating, trying to make sense of where you're at and the choices that you've made. You know, I I think it does sound familiar, and I think for every one of us in here, some of our stories may be a, a little bit less dramatic or maybe a little bit more dramatic. Some of our stories may be a little less painful or a little more painful. And the reason Jesus told this story is to help each of us find our way back home. Find our way back to God. Find our way back to the Heavenly Father. And so this brings us to life's most important question. It's a question you'll have to answer over and over again, but let's go ahead and ask it and try to answer it this morning. And here it is. Where will you go to satisfy these God-given longings? Where will you go to satisfy these God-given longings? And will that move you closer to the distant country or the presence of the Father? You know, the 17th century mathematician Blaise Pascal was one of the greatest intellects in in the history of Western civilization. He grew up knowing about God, but not earnestly following Him. Then it says, uh, the the history books say, in profound middle-of-the-night experience with God, he had a change of heart. That experience ignited Pascal's passion to help others find their way back to God. Pascal began to challenge his fellow intellectuals to a wager on God. And so some of you may have heard that, Pascal's wager. He would dare them to step into belief about God and see if it didn't change their life. And Pascal explained his wager this way. He says, make a bet that there is a God who loves you. If you are right, you have everything to gain. And if you are wrong, you have nothing to lose. Make a bet that God is real. And I love it. Pascal, it's a wager. It's a gamble. And here's what he's saying. If you happen to find the source of longing, if you happen to find the source of love, if you happen to find the source of purpose and the source of meaning, that is a big time payoff for that wager. And here's what I ask you. What if God was the missing piece? I hear that all the time. You know, people, I just feel like something's missing. Something's not clicking. 
What if God was the missing piece? What if God not being in your life, at the center of your life, was the reason you've been in in a constant pursuit for peace, a constant pursuit for purpose and accomplishment, a constant pursuit for finding meaning? What if? And here's the risk I want you to take. This is going to sound very basic, and you're going to be like, Jeff, I... I could have stayed in bed and got this, right? This is, my, this is my risk I want you to take. I challenge you to pray to God. Some of you are like, okay. I pray every night in rush hour traffic. Uh, or those of you who drop off kids, I know you pray every morning when you drop off kids uh, in some way or another. But that's, that's the risk I want you to take. I challenge you to pray to God. And if that's not a common practice for you, it might be a little bit awkward at first. You know, does he really hear me? What if someone sees me? Am I crazy? Uh, But I want you to try it. For some of you, prayer is a regular part of your life. But let this challenge be a a bit of a change-up for your prayer life. I want you to be willing to open yourself up to finding God in a deeper and more life-changing way than ever before. Now here's the action step more than just praying. This is what I'm asking you to do. Pray as if God is real every single day for the next 30 days. Pray as if God is real every single day for the next 30 days. And here is the first of five prayers we're going to ask you to pray during this series. And so here's week number one. This is what I want you to pray. God, if you are real, make yourself real to me. Awaken in me the ability to see that you are what's missing from my life. Simple enough, huh? God, if you are real, make yourself real to me. Awaken in me the ability to see that you are what's missing in my life. Now think about what might happen if all of us decided to place that bet together. Think about if all of us decided to pray that prayer every single day for the next 30 days. God, if you are real, make yourself real to me. And this is what I want us to do as a church body. Um, you know, I, I, always, I always liked experiments, probably because I always blew things up. But, but this is one that I don't think there's going to blow something up on the outside. I think there, there could be an explosion on the inside of you. And for us as a church body to say, hey, let's do this holy experiment. And let's see what God does. Let's see what God does amidst us. Let's see what God does in us. Take this experiment with us. Take this wager that Pascal gave. God, if you are real, make yourself real to me. Now let me close it with this and ask you again. Where will you go to fill the longings that you have? These longings came from God and they will either draw you to Him or they will push you away. Imagine though if God fulfilled your longing for purpose, your longing for love, and your longing for meaning. Imagine what it would be like not to have to run after love anymore. Imagine what it would feel like not to have to search for purpose or look for meaning anymore. Can you begin to imagine what it might feel like to experience longing fulfilled, a heart that is satisfied? And my prayer is that every one of you in this room, that is where we'll land. I want to close with a verse in Psalm 63. This is, this is David. King David wrote this. And, and like, this is where I want to be. 
And this is where I hope we will travel together as we try to align our longings and our desires to God and search for them in Him. He says this, You, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek You. I thirst for You. My whole being longs for You in a dry and parched land where there is no water. I have seen You in the sanctuary and beheld Your power and Your glory. Because Your love is better than life, my lips will glorify You. I will praise You as long as I live. And in Your name I will lift up my hands. I will be fully satisfied as with the richest of foods. With singing lips, my mouth will praise you. On my bed, I remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night because you are my help. I sing in the shadow of your wings. I cling to you. Your right hand upholds me. And can I just tell you, that is a guy right there that was seeking, searching, and longing and did he, did he have his ups and downs of where longings went astray? Yeah. But at the end of the day, you know where he went back to? His longings, his desires could only be fulfilled through God. And I hope you find, out, find that the same for you as well. Pray with me. God, we come before you. And God, I just pray, Lord, for, for those who are in this room. I mean, this whole faith thing... Um, it's complicated. It's simple, but it's complicated. We, we all have this tapestry of stories and experiences and things that have happened in our lives that bring us to this place. And God, I just pray that we would hit the pause button and do some examination of our own hearts to see what we are pursuing, what path we are on to find those longings and those desires to be fulfilled. God, help us to, to, to see that we can learn a lesson. We have a warning shot from this parable that Jesus gave that we don't have to walk down that path to the distant country. That there's a better way. There's a different way. That the close proximity of the Father, although it may not seem like it at times, it is the best possible place we could be. So God, draw us closer today. Help us take a step back towards you. So God, speak to us. Help us respond. Help us to think through things. Help us to process with others what's going on in our hearts and our lives. God, we thank you and we give you this time and ask that you'd be glorified through it. In Jesus' name.